Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, hope you continue to enjoy the front row because we certainly enjoy bringing it to you. And we bring it to you commercial free courtesy of the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us talk about it. It's a great deal. Football season is uh, ticking ever closer. I know the countdowns are going. Uh, they've got a half season ticket package on sale if you want to test drive the champion, the Dunlap Champions Club, which means you get to choose either the Miami or Louisville games and then any two of the remaining four games. Maybe more importantly, before you make that decision, call the boosters, set up an arrangement, go by. If you haven't been there, go by and check it out. You're going to be impressed with the facilities. And uh, I guarantee you, if you go through the tour, you're probably going to sign up real quick. 850-583-9066-LINE-1 to uh, buy your ticket, schedule a private tour. There's misters going in. We know the first uh, couple games are night games, so you won't have to deal with the sun. You get unlimited soft drinks and food. It's a good deal, so check out the Dunlap Champions Club, and we tip our cap to them. Now, with that said, here's the front row. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. We welcome you to a mid-June edition of The Front Row. Tom and KJ. Keith, how goes it? mid-Omaha edition of the front row. Just as everyone predicted. At least three weeks ago. Including yours truly who booked his hotel for Omaha on January 11th I might note. That's not the reason you booked your trip. That is... Be honest. Be honest. You want to let the whole cat out of the bag right away? Well, our listeners have heard about the block vacation at least seven different times. So you want to do it again? Right at the top of the show? Sure. No, I won't do it in context of ours. <laughs> Only work in some angles. Here's the deal. I've told this to people. I've been to Omaha five times, not with family, but covering Florida State. Uh, so this will be trip six and six out of the last seven times at FSU. Have you been to TD Ameritrade? I have been. Only okay, once. What? Only once. Um, the way to do Omaha is you have to, if you're a baseball fan, if you're not a baseball fan, then this doesn't need to be on your bucket list. If you're a baseball fan, college sports fan, the way you play in Omaha is you book it months in advance, whether you want to Airbnb it, whether you want to cash in hotel points, which is what I did. You get your flights knocked out. You do all that, and you basically are rolling the dice because there is a scenario you could show up, and it's eight schools that you don't care about. You're, you're going to Omaha. You're not going to watch a particular fill-in-the-blank team. And my advice would be go from Friday through the first two rounds, so you would see four days' worth of baseball and then fly out of town Wednesday. That's long enough to get – you can eat plenty of steak. You can play golf. If you want to go to the zoo, you can eat Zesto's, which is the world-famous shakes there. I sound There's like an aquarium there, too, isn't there? That's at the zoo. It uh-huh. sounds like I work for the Chamber of Commerce for Omaha. Uh, it, it's actually a really good time, and I've been to, to college football national championships, and I've been to the Final Four. It's similar to the Final Four because you get – multiple fan bases there and the angst is not quite as high as say a national championship game although there is angst but you've got eight fan bases walking around the first weekend unfortunately florida is going to be one of them this time but uh it, it makes for a fun time and it, it's worth doing but you got to plan it ahead of time or if you've got plenty of dispensable income you can just wait until your team's there and plan it three days out but it's a little costlier if you do it that way or if you know somebody and can make a call and maybe they can get you in with a deal there you go. I don't know. Well, I know people, but I don't. I haven't called for those deals yet. 
It did work out uh, favorably for the Block family since, uh, as listeners to this show know, there's an LSU-FSU uh, mixed oh, marriage, God, divided household. Know. Oh, God, don't they know. And and I don't know if I probably have said this on here. This was not my doing this trip. Laura, my wife, wanted to go because she's the LSU fan. She's never been. All LSU fans make an, uh, an annual pilgrimage there, whether LSU is there or not. So she wanted to go. So when we talked about it, probably over Christmas break, I said, well, I look back at the last 30 years or so, and there, and both FSU and LSU missed the World Series last year. I said, Laura, in the last 30 years, there's only been maybe three or four years tops that neither team was in Omaha. I said, both teams are going to be pretty good this year. There's a pretty good chance that at least one of them will be there. So we book it. Lo and behold, we get both. We get them head-to-head. And it'll be great so our up, own, until our own Tom up until Block. 8 o'clock Eastern on Saturday night. It'll be a our great time. Tom Block will be reporting live from Omaha next week with an update on what's going on in the College World Series. Well, maybe not live or maybe not even reporting that. Week. I'll have firsthand accounts to share <clears throat> at some point. It, Either it, then or after. Exactly. But uh, the moral of that story, again, and uh, we should have called the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Omaha to see if they wanted to actually sponsor the show for this week since I just gave them a three-minute plug. I'll send them an invoice. Y- you know what it is beyond uh, what I just said? It's one of the last sporting events you can go to, even though the stadium is named TD Ameritrade. It's not as, as corporate, commercialized. A- as commercialized as what everything else is. There's still a little bit of that down-home feeling, and it's just a good time. Yep. That said, we all knew Florida State was going. We never had a doubt when they left to go to Louisville that they were going to roll through the Cardinal. They were going to take care of the ACC tournament, make things interesting in the regional just for the sake of making things interesting, and then, uh, you know, have no trouble with Sam Houston State uh, in game two after they did have trouble in game one. Well, obviously, uh, on this station, uh, in the the newspaper, regional and national media – have all talked about the fact that, uh, you know, Florida State, uh, three, three and a half weeks ago, we were all sitting here going, you know, are they even going to make the postseason? And talking about how disappointed we were and, and all the expectations, uh, at one point being ranked number one in the country, uh, everyone pointing towards this being a year when Florida State without question would make Omaha. And then watch that thing just unravel for a multitude of reasons with, uh, you know, the, the, the mental aspects in terms of base running and throwing the ball the wrong place, the physical aspects with the injuries, uh, particularly early uh, with the younger kids. And to see it all come together, you know, you, you hate it. it we're, at, we're like we're at the seventh inning of a no-hitter. We really don't need to be talking about the fact is, is this, quote-unquote, the year? And I get the feeling that there's a bunch of us that that, that are privately thinking that it might be, but, but but we don't want to talk about it. Well, and that's fair. And I think for most of us, after they won the ACC tournament and got to host a regional, based on the way the season played, I always said, all right, everything else is house money at this point. Uh, now, at the beginning of the year, there were high expectations. Those went away. Uh, ever, the critics came out. Florida State. Uh, this year has unfolded completely differently than almost every baseball season for FSU I can remember in that it wasn't cruise control the whole way. They were outside the lanes. Uh, the car got uh, rear-ended. It, I mean, they, they crashed. It's been everything. in the shop. It's been in the There's shop. There's some bondo. In some, fact, we ought to send Somehow. Them. We that, ought to send 11 <laughs> some bondo. Let's get Colonel 
and send him some bondo and have him carry that out to Omaha with him. And hey, everybody else has got a monkey or a or dumb hat. There'll there'll be a gallon. It does it feel a, like it's a been bondo. Held, it's been held together that way. Wow! But it, it's been impressive. They came together at the right time. Pitching is a big reason for it as well. And Mike Bell, the pitching coach for Florida State, will join us next segment. We'll talk a little bit about how the uh, specific players like a Drew Parrish have evolved into what they are currently. But to your point about is this the time? There's eight schools right now that feel that way because as well as Florida State's playing, LSU's playing better going into this game. I mean, they And Oregon State's lost, what, four games all year? They've lost four games, the best winning percentage for a team going there. I mean, everybody going out there is on a roll, otherwise you wouldn't be there. And FSU will see much tougher pitching in a much bigger park than what they went through in the postseason, the way it played out. All that said, we can't let that tarnish what's been a remarkable run to this point to get there for a team that everybody left for dead about April 1st. You can't win it if you don't get there. Right. That's a dumb cliche, but as our listeners well know, and as my wife reminds me all the time, there's a reason they're cliches. It's because they're true. Right, right. I saw an interesting stat. There's, I think he's the Creighton SID. His name is Rob Anderson, and I don't know him. He obviously tweets a lot about Creighton over the course of the year, but during Omaha time, he must work for the College World Series because his his feed is nonstop facts about the CWS. And so he tweets the records of the eight teams in the field in TD Ameritrade Park, which obviously hasn't been there that long. Well, I think it's FSU, it's FSU for sure, and I don't remember if it's Oregon State or TCU. They have the best records in TD Ameritrade at 500. FSU is two and two. Everybody else, LSU is one and four in that park. Florida has a losing record. In that. I thought, well, there's a good omen. FSU's tied for the best record of the current field in TD Ameritrade. We'll take it. Whatever we can get. All right. Mike uh, Bell will join us uh, shortly. For those of you that did not book your trip to the College World Series back on January Guilty. 11th and uh, are not able, we're not able to do so this week. I need to point out that the, uh, the fine folks, at for the table have you covered it starts at centrally italian parlor you can find them online centrallyitalian.com this saturday pregame for fsu lsu you order any pizza you get half price pitcher of beer keith last time i checked that that works for you yes i thought so then you head over to township they'll have the sound up during the game if you're wearing knoll gear your uh, second half liter of proof beer is free or your second drink from the happy hour menu is free bottom line good time's going to be had by all centrally Head over to Township. I don't know what Madso's got going on, but they'll have a party too. There'll be folks down there. That'll be a place to be. It will be indeed. The place to be right now is uh, attuned to us as we continue with the front row. We'll uh, dive deeper into Florida State baseball with uh, Mike Bell, who, by the way, now, obviously he's he pitched at Florida State and went to Omaha as a player. He coached at Tennessee and went to Omaha with the Volunteers. He coached at Oklahoma and went to Omaha with the Sooners. And now this is trip number two as an assistant coach at FSU. So he's made a few trips out to the uh, the uh, promised land, if you will. We'll chat with Mike Bell when we continue on the front row. Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Man. 
Man, the change in walk-up music has carried Florida State all the way to Omaha as we welcome you back on the front row. And via the Earl Bacon Agency, we say hello. Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I should point out. We say hello to Mike Bell, pitching coach for Florida State. Coach, how are you? Doing great today. How's, how's, how's everybody over there? Good. I got a question for you. This isn't where I thought I would go initially, but since we just mentioned walk-up music, back in your playing days, if you can recall them here at FSU, <laughs> what what played when you came out of the pen and or uh, stepped into the batter's box? What was on the 8-track that you had <laughs> no, going? It, it wasn't the 8-track that 11 used to use. It was probably more of a, just, a, just a little tape cassette. Uh, I think GNR or a uh, Pearl Jam. Or uh, probably Guns N' Roses, but maybe like a Welcome to the Jungle kind of thing, something along those well, lines. You know what? That, that's respectable because you could still play GNR yep, or Pearl yep. Jam right now. So uh, at, at least you had some taste back in your day. Hey, con- <laughs> congratulations to you on, on the way things have uh, have unfolded. Uh, to me, and you've been around, obviously, college baseball a lot and Florida State baseball a lot of your professional career as well, and you know the history here. This year was not the way the scripts have uh, typically gone under Mike Martin. So how challenging was that for you and the staff? And when I say not not typical, it, it wasn't as if the team was just on cruise control and an automatic pilot to 45 wins. I mean, it, you, you guys went a circuitous route to get where you are right now. Uh, no doubt. And, and I think when you look at the perception of or where college baseball is nowadays, uh, you've gone from the days of just going from a regional to Omaha to now the regional, super regional, more TV, more revenue to get to Omaha. But the biggest thing that you see across the board, and I want everybody to understand this word, is parity. There's more schools investing more money from a recruiting standpoint. There's more exposure for these kids at a young age. And the game of college baseball over the last, I'll say, eight to 15 years, has uh, gone through the roof. I mean, it's playing a level of a high A, almost a double A level of minor league baseball. Uh, with the draft going on over the next couple of days and finishing up today here with our guys in the third round, you, you, you see the value of our game. So I'll go back to that word of parity. It is tougher and tougher to accomplish what Florida State has done, and I'll say this, for 40 years. Well... You know, I've been in sports for a while, and uh, I, I actually came up doing statistics and still keep stats. As a matter of fact, I was working the ESPN broadcast as a statistician this weekend, Mike. And when the when the graphic came out, and, and you know what it is, mm-hmm. con- consecutive years with 40 wins, and the team yep. that's at the top has 40, and the teams that are in second have six. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that I can recall a, a statistic that that's that dominant for the top team whether you're talking about home runs or whatever the stat is i mean it's mind-boggling if you really sink let that sink in it is and it's you don't want to say you you don't appreciate it until it's gone and and hopefully we can't appreciate what's now in the moment and and what you have is something that's very very significant and something that college baseball will never and i'll say it again never see again well, it, it, KJ here, Mike, it's kind of like the dynasty years of Bowden and football and going all <laughs> yep. the way back to Oklahoma winning 47 consecutive games back in the 40s. We're, we're never going to see that on the football side. We're not going to see this again on the baseball side. One of the things that I w- was anxious to talk to you about when Tommy said that uh, you were scheduled to be with us is uh, the, the critics all talk about the fact that in today's game, you've got to have that 97, that 99, that 101 mile an hour heat mm-hmm. thrower. 
tell us what it's like when when you or meet or someone goes to where one of these kids are and and see them play and 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 count the number of other representatives from the other 270 plus baseball programs in America that are also there at the same time not to mention the pro scouts <laughs> well that's and as Tom alluded there it's it's you're competing against the elite 5 the elite 10 or elite 15 schools of the country when you when you're uh, recruiting these young men no doubt but you're also competing against 30 major league teams that have uh, an absurd amount of money you know and there's certain situations for some of these guys where no doubt you know hey you're, you're off the board in the top 10 20 picks um for example dl hall left-hander out of out of, out of valdosta georgia that we lost on day one of the draft there's no doubt. A, guy, a young man gets four or five million. That's life-altering money for a family. That's the route he he needs to choose. Um, but what we have, and I'll go back to it, this college game and the development we have going on with the ACC, and you saw a lot of picks going off the board in the first, second round of, of ACC pitchers, hitters. It's a very competitive league. Uh, whether you're recruiting against other top-notch programs, whether you're recruiting against those thirty major league teams, uh, you better have. Your hand, your 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 hand in the hat there on on those elite arms, but you better have backup plans as well because they're going to have options. You know, they, it starts with pitching. There's no doubt, and that's where the draft starts. Well, and I'll make the one obligatory comment. We're sitting here. This is the last. I believe today's the last day of the of the draft. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Good gracious! Give us two weeks. Move it two weeks, and let's not have to <laughs> deal with this when we're headed to Omaha. No doubt. It, you know, it, it's a it's a very stressful time for some of these guys that we have here, you know, in the clubhouse because um, they have aspirations, they have dreams, and and you want them to be able to enjoy the moment. You know, we had practice going on yesterday, and uh, you know what we did, we set up uh, you know managers with a couple of our guys' phones so they could field phone calls because it's not just being selected; it's 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 the teams reaching out to you and and, and communicating with them before being selected. Um, but we still got to take care of our business here, and uh, you know, and we we're happy, really happy for T Dub and, and Buzzard yesterday, uh, you know, going off the board in the third round, and that's that is a that's a reward for them. It's a family moment. It, it's a team moment. I mean, our guys are all stopping in the middle of practice, clapping for them, you know, because they want to see their brothers succeed and, and move on, and, and those guys are ready to do that. Um, the tougher situation is, is the guys coming out of high school. There's no doubt. I was going to. Uh go micro and then come back to the big picture but let me just finish the big picture conversation keith mentioned you know where the draft falls mm-hmm. i i see uh i think aaron fit in particular who's national media that does a really good job covering college yeah. baseball uh yeah. and and keith law on the major league side they mm-hmm. come out and they're they're pretty critical at regional time of of teams yeah. that will pitch guys on short rest you pitch your ace on friday you give them two days yep. off but you need them on monday uh, and that's not something Florida State uh, certainly has done uh, under your watch at all, uh, or under Mike Martin's watch, uh, at least since since I've been in these parts that I can recall. But the the bigger point of the question is: Do you see college baseball expanding uh, even further in getting beyond the four team regionals to where we're playing two two team series and and kind of stretching out the season, or do you see yeah. maybe a pitch count coming in play or an inning count or something to prevent coaches from making bad decisions? Well, I think I think what you you will see uh, before you see some any expansion, I think you'll see more of a um, maybe a one to sixty four setting up the tournament. The whole idea is get the best eight teams out there, and 
what we have a lot right now is we're, we're, we're trying to do regional matchups. We're trying to do uh, storyline matchups for regional and super regional purposes. And that's not doing a good job of getting, when I say the best eight teams out there. And I think uh, it needs to be seeded one to 64 and go from there. Um, you know, with the pitching situation with that, I think you've seen in the postseason uh, with the American League, National League, and even the World Series, some of the high leverage situations. Uh, it's it's kind of funny where some of the critics will come out and call out college baseball on some of the pitching uh, decisions of bringing guys back and bouncing guys back, um, but they're also doing it at the major league level. And I think you saw that last year with with Chapman and and the Cubs and and some other and and, and those competitors and those athletes they want the ball in their hand that time of year. That's what they've worked for. They've worked their whole life for the opportunity to to compete for that championship, to, to help their team, whether it's getting to Omaha or whether it's winning in Omaha. Uh, we've tried to take on the philosophy of, especially early in the year, let's make sure we're just as strong, if not stronger, in June as we are in February and March. So we'll use a lot of guys early in the year to find out, number one, who can develop, who, who you can trust. And then as you work down the stretch, the most important time of the year, you'll have your guys ready and they'll be stronger and not worn out well in the way the omaha bracket is set up obviously there's days off in between games so it's uh, it's not the same scenario that i was just asking you about let me get to the question that was the elephant in the room for much of the year and that involves okay. drew, that involves drew carlton obviously mm-hmm. because uh, you know the way the season worked out you just didn't have save opportunities for carlton and right. the starting pitching was not as consistent behind tyler holton as what you'd like okay. so Take us through the conversations or the original decision to say Carlton's going to be our guy out of the pen, and then how firm was that along the way, and, and how close did you guys come to pulling him back out of the closer role and, and putting him back into the rotation? You know, I, I think it's a great question, and I think a lot of people are probably wanting to know why. Here's a young man that you know threw a, a shutout in a Super Regional against Florida last year that put us one game away from Omaha. I'm like, what are we doing? And I think when it goes down to it, it's understanding uh, your 35 players, understanding a way of trying to make this puzzle fit. And with the college season playing on an average four games a week, sometimes five games a week, Drew was the most durable guy and the guy that can bounce back the most and have the opportunity to finish off games for you. Your closer doesn't always have to be just a one-inning guy. But ultimately, it's a guy at the back end of the game. It could be the seventh inning, eighth inning, or ninth inning, or a combination of a couple that you are most comfortable as a staff saying, this guy, if we get beat with him on the mound, we got beat with our best. And he gave us the best opportunity for that. Now, you cannot predict how many safe situations you're going to have. You can't predict how many times you're going to have the lead, how many times you're not going to have the lead. But the one thing you've got to have and any coach and any team out there that is going to be successful, they have to have one of their top three arms ready for the back end of that game. Because it just goes along. It's not how you start, but how you finish. You know, you, you can't win a game in the first or second, but you can dang sure lose it. But you better have somebody on the back half of that game because there's going to be a high leverage situation somewhere between the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Um, I think the biggest thing that kind of, as you were talking about the critics or whatever, kind of slowed things down is when you saw him account for, I believe it was three out of five games in an ACC tournament or three out of five games in a regional tournament. 
And when he can do that, and he's the guy that can do that in that locker room, he's that durable guy, he's that strike thrower. And, and to be honest with you, unlike other years, we didn't have that proven closer coming back or that guy that was a setup guy the year before that could take that next step. You know, it just sometimes the pieces don't work. And this was our best option and allowed uh, Parrish, Carp, and, and Sands and Holton the development of them to come, come to fruition, but also keep Carlton in the back end of the game. Mike, uh, I read this morning, and it was announced yesterday that you're going to go with Holton in Game One. You, you and Levin and Meet got together, and, and Holton in Game One, and, and um, Parrish in Game Two. Coming from a football background, <clears throat> pardon me, we always mm-hmm. love the the backup quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. the number two quarterback is always the fan favorite. Well, now that Zierzow has thrown a complete game, he, <laughs> he's now the fan favorite. I'm not yeah. asking you who number three is going to be, but I'm just asking, is he now back into the mix a little more than maybe would have been the case? Well, when he threw that complete game shutout, we had him on about 26 days rest. So we've still got some more days we need to rest him up. <laughs> well, played. well played. Well played. And I do want you to know I was a backup quarterback in high school, so I do know I was a fan favorite as well. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, but the, then you became a college pitching coach, Mike. So those days are gone. Yeah, <laughs> draw that exactly. arrow on your back and put a. <laughs> I, I was more of a scout team quarterback, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Z Z did a great job not getting caught up in the moment, and I, he knows he'll be ready when he's called upon again. You know, he's the ultimate team guy, high character guy, and I think there's 34 guys in that locker room that you know they wouldn't have wanted that any other way. You know, for his I say one shining moment, but you know. He'll be ready when called upon. It's just like the other night. Uh, once we had our big lead uh, against Sam Houston, we're sitting there going, you know what? We can't have Cole Sands not throw a baseball over a week and a half, two weeks. So we needed to get him in relief just to get some work in. And, and that was the thought behind bringing Cole in behind Paris the other night. You know, because some people are probably scratching, going, man, if they come back, we, we just use our third starter. What's going on? But um, the more importantly is we'll prepare guys the right way. And, and they'll be ready to go. And more importantly, they're going to be ready to help their team, whether it's in a relief mode, whether it's a start mode. Uh, I do know this. I had a, a longtime coach tell me, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know, so I think that's kind of where we are with Holton Parish right now. Um, and, and we'll keep going from there. Let me ask you this. Uh, in regard to Parish, what's been the difference for him over the last <laughs> month? I don't know if it's four or five starts. I'm not looking at the stats in front of me. But uh, yeah. what's been the difference? You know, it, it's funny. I had a conversation with, with a, a, another college coach, a close friend of mine, the other day, and I said, you know, if, if you pick up a stat sheet and you're looking at a freshman's numbers and you like some of the things about it and, and there's some that you're going, eh, you know, it could have done a little better. But if you went game by game or you went inning by inning with Drew Parrish from the beginning of the year, and I'm going to go back to a game where we got beat 17 nothing at Virginia Tech, and they're going, we got to get this guy out of the rotation. We just got beat seven. He had a one nothing shutout going into the sixth inning. But people don't know that because they look at the box score in the final product. It was a misplayed fly ball. It was a bloop double. And then some things snowballed on a crazy field at Blacksburg with the wind blowing out at 25 miles an hour that they scored the bulk of their runs. Most of his runs have come up either a four spot, a three spot, or a five spot somewhere after the sixth inning. They really have over the course of the year. Drew Parrish has done a phenomenal job all year. But some of his numbers look a little crooked or skewed because of some things that just haven't gone his way. Mike, uh, to that end, 
Will, will you instruct your squad to pitch a little less on the edges and more over the plate when you get to a, a, a Meritrade, a bigger park or a park that's hard to get the ball out of? Will that change your your calls and, and your, your the way you set up things? You know, and that's a great question because the old Rosenblatt, you would have been pitching more to the corners or off the corners where now the way the field's flipped around and you still have to kind of see, hey, is it a hot day? Is it a colder day? You know, which the one thing about Midwest baseball, you can you have your scouting reports, and this is one thing I learned, you know, coaching in the Big 12 at Oklahoma, is you got to pitch to the park each and every day. There are certain days where it can get a little dicey out there and that wind's going different ways. You, you're going to have to change from one side of play to the other. Ultimately, we pitch off of our guys' strengths. We know the hitter's weaknesses, but we ultimately pitch off of our pitcher's strengths. Um, you know, whether we have a lead, whether we don't have a lead. Are we in attack mode or are we in a shutdown mode where we can't afford to give up anymore? Um, but we'll find out once we're there if we're going to be more of attack mode. The one thing that we've preached with these guys, even from the middle of the season to the end, is stick to the process, stick to what we're trying to do, and let's win the day. And let's not try to get caught up with too much of what's going on outside. To that point, and last question, we'll let you get going, Mike. Again, given that you play Saturday, Monday, and if you're still around, you wouldn't play till Wednesday, is it safe to assume that, for example, in Saturday, everybody other than Parrish would be available? You'd give, go get Sands or Carp or whoever if you need them in that game? That's the way, we'll, we'll, that's the way we will prepare. And, and as I tell guys at the beginning of the year, the game will dictate who's going to come in the ball game. The game's going to tell us what options we have, and whether it's a score, whether it's the inning. You know, the game is going to determine that. But I can tell you this, as you said, yeah, pretty much everybody besides Paris should be ready to go. Well, Mike, I mentioned it in our previous segment, and I'll do it again here. Your, your perspective is, is really well-rounded in that you spent several years coaching in the SEC at Tennessee – several in the Big 12 at Oklahoma, and obviously the last six in the ACC. So uh, you have been around the block, so to speak. You've seen a lot of college baseball. Congrats on the success, and uh, I'll see you out in Omaha. Look forward to seeing you there. Nothing like it. All righty. Thanks, Mike. Mike Bell, who, again, uh, he's been to, to Omaha with all those programs that I mentioned and as a player. Uh, don't tell him. Hopefully he's off the line now. Of course, J.D. Drew was on the team his last year. That might have helped. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. All right, we'll come back and react to his, his comments when we continue on the front row. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us next segment. We'll continue the conversation about FSU baseball. Big thanks. Tim's going out, have we heard? We'll Tim, ask him, Tim is going out. I have okay. confirmed. Tim yep. is going out. Uh, I don't know that uh, he's going to be down below with the baggage or in the overhead compartment. I think they actually got him a seat. So wow, he's he's our Seminoles.com insider, KJ. Come the on, man, the man. He's got pull and hey, the man and the legend. Thanks to Mike Bell for joining us. The most enlightening uh, thing that he shared there is that his uh, walk up or Enter the game. I don't know what you call it if you're coming out of the pen. Walk on. 
Welcome to the jungle. Was either GNR or Pearl Jam. So, I mean, that was... I don't know any Pearl Jam songs. I know, I know. You came along. uh, But I do know Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, exactly. Well, how could you not? Um, no, pre- appreciate Mike joining us. And uh, it's interesting because he's been here. He's now in his sixth year. And, and I mentioned before the break, J.D. Drew was on the team in 95. From a pitching standpoint, Paul Wilson was on the team in 94 and Jonathan Johnson and David Yoakum. So there were, there were some pretty good arms on those teams there. Uh, and he was a teammate of Mike Martin Jr. back then. And th- that was the time when Florida State went to Omaha, what, six out of eight years, probably seven or eight times in the decade of the 90s. I mean, it seemed FSU was always there. Uh, but he really is, a, is someone that can speak to the parody of the game given all the places he's been he's not somebody that just bounced around at a couple schools in one conference i mean he's seen three different big time power five conferences has a lot of context and really has seen the game grow and the conferences are much different how the acc plays is different than how the sec or the big 12 or how they play out west so they're uh, that that diversity uh, hopefully will serve him well. Uh, I intentionally asked the question because one of the things that uh, has been frustrating, at least in recent memory, about Florida State in Omaha is once they've gotten out there, the pitchers have not been able to 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 go distance or or last because they've they've not had great control. And at least that's my opinion. And uh, I, I think there is a movement and momentum to say that, uh, particularly at TD Ameritrade as opposed to, to Rosenblatt, that you can you can get over to play a little. You don't have to be as precise. Now, as soon as you say that, I, I was listening or reading something this morning. Uh, Louisville, uh, last time they went out there, they only played two games, but they hit eight home runs in two games. One year, there were only three home runs hit in every game at right. TD Ameritrade. It all has to do, as Mike was talking about, time of day and the way the wind's blowing. And so playing to the park is another one of those elements that has to be factored into the big big equation. Well, I think it'll be interesting if you think about Florida State and how they set up from a pitching standpoint. You're going to have Holt, and then obviously you want him to go deep, which he's done uh, you know every one of his last six starts even so. when he's given even when runs have been given up but so then you have, you have a guy that you know he's not a plus fastball guy he just have ter- has tremendous command and off speed and breaking ball uh, then you have an option to go to the pen and and go from a lefty to a righty and get carp or sands both of whom are going to run it up in the 90s sands a little bit more uh, then if you need a situational guy, you're going to go get another lefty and Alec Bird probably at that point. And then you go back to Carlton, and I would think that's the way they'd attack it also with Parrish uh, in game two. And then you just see where you are from a pitching standpoint. Obviously, in a perfect situation, you get eight innings out of each starter. You're in the winner's bracket, and then you don't even have to worry about Wednesday. You reset and play the next Friday. Well, and, and it sounds like you know a, a, a day doesn't make a big difference, but – it kind of does being able to play on Saturday, and obviously they wanted Florida State and LSU in the prime time. It would be even better from a rest standpoint if you were playing the midday game. Although heat and things may factor right. into it, getting a little too technical here. But as you mentioned with Mike, you know you play the three games through Wednesday if everything's perfect, and then you basically can start over again. And with Zerzal coming in uh, and showing what he's done, I hadn't counted out up the days. When t- when's twenty six days out? Is that like the final on Tuesday? If you I, go, I don't to, know. <laughs> well, but and to and to clarify, if you win your first two games, there is no Wednesday. You don't play again till Friday. That's true. That is true. And then you have Friday and Saturday two games to win one to go to the championship round. So which, in a, which is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday if needed. So in a scenario where you win Saturday and Monday, you come back on Friday, you can pitch Holton. 
if you want, or you could hold him for a full week's rest and pitch him Saturday. But if you pitched him Friday and made it to the championship round, you can still pitch him on. You could pitch Wednesday. him again Wednesday in the, in the winner take all game. So those are the kind of decisions they'll have to make. Um, but but every team has that option because you've got more time off. The key is stay out of the losers bracket. And FSU has not been able to do that since maybe since '89. Well, they, the 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 two times that they've played under Martin for the national championship, they had to come out of the losers bracket. Is well, in ninety in ninety nine, they were in the losers bracket because I flew to Omaha on Wednesday in the losers bracket, and they won Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and played Saturday for the championship. Eighty nine, they started two and zero, and then lost to Wichita State twice in a row. I may be missing a year. They may have started two and zero another year, but you know it's easier said than done to start two and zero against who you're playing out there let's talk about uh, jc flowers real quick and then we'll finish the segment and get tim linnefelt there jc obviously is is struggling mightily at the plate right now it was what one of 30 at one point right and to be this is not that jc is doomed jc hit the freshman wall and teams figured out where the holes in his swing are and he just needs more at bats and more time and jc will be fine long term uh, short term though he still to me he still brings so much defensively and with his arm that you've got to put it I don't, I don't think you can get in a scenario where you're talking about let's move Stephen Wells over to center and now let's play Holton and right out there in a game he's not pitching I mean I to me you gotta even if you're looking at maybe an automatic out when he comes up in the lineup I think it's, it's worth it to have him out there in center field three things number one let's talk about that freshman wall you play 20 25 games maybe a few games then in, in the summer so maybe 40 games is the most that JC's ever played until he's gotten to Florida State number two Ameritrade's a bigger stadium He's got better speed than anybody else you've got out there. You need him out there. And number three, just think about this. If he can come around and just hit 200, and if you can get a little more production out of Cal Raleigh, who has been slumping, struggling a little bit, both of them in there for their defensive skills, and you add that to a consistent what you've been doing over the last 20 games – then Florida State offensively would, would be that much improved. No, you don't move him. I don't think you mess with anything. Leave him out there. Let him work his way out of it. His his strength on the defensive side more than outweighs what he can bring to you yeah, offensively. I, I couldn't agree more. All right, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld has been patiently standing by. Actually, his people have been texting our people left and right, so we got to get him on he the has horn. no people. We'll, we'll do that right after. Well, come on. We're trying to build up his image here. Well, he's not listening. All right, we'll come back with Tim right after this. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the Front Row College World Series edition, as it turns out, because that's all we're talking for obvious reason, as our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? We are doing well. We are. I'm still fired up. Keith, Keith doesn't know what to make of it, but uh, Mike Bell was on earlier, and so we appropriately asked him what his walk-on or walk-up music was back in the day. And he went with GNR and Pearl Jam. So I feel pretty good. I feel even better about our pitching staff after hearing that answer from Bell. What do you think? 
Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I was just thinking, I, I can't remember if they did walk up music back then, but I guess they did. He said that uh, it was not on an eight-track tape. It was a cassette. Yeah, and somebody <laughs> had to walk out of the dugout and hold the boom box probably to play it through the stadium. But <laughs> we digress. Tim, as we all predicted and have talked about uh, at length, we knew the team was going to Omaha, and here we are. So it's just kind of ho-hum. They did it again. You know, everybody expected this, and let's just, you know, head out to the College World Series, right? I know you were on board with that. Yeah, I think we could talk for the next few minutes about how smart we all are uh, for knowing that the whole time and, and then kind of enjoy that. So, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, look, it's it's kind of what we were saying. Uh, I feel like I said this a few times. Um, it, it didn't always seem like it was going to happen, but, you know, we said a month ago, if, if the pieces ever – came together and everybody started performing the way that you knew they could, uh, this is what the, the expectation should be for this team. And lo and behold, uh, at a time when certainly I didn't expect it, you know, you're talking about going up to Louisville to close the regular season uh, and needing to be successful there in the ACC tournament. You need to even feel good about your NCAA tournament chances. Uh, that, that didn't seem like the, uh, the most obvious time for them to turn it around, but, but here we are. They've been absolutely fantastic over the last three weeks and really beyond that. Uh, the last month or so, ever since losing that last home game against Wake Forest, they've been uh, really just fantastic. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're we're kind of where I think everybody thought we'd be at the uh, at the beginning of the season, which is you know, in Omaha. Tim, I made the comment at the top of the show. I, I'm almost to the point where I'm treating this and been thinking about treating this like a no hitter. We're in the seventh inning of a no hitter, and maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. Maybe we should just be ignoring it and letting them play, and we shouldn't be talking about how well they're playing or what they're doing and just ignore this and let it work itself out because we're going to jinx it if we talk about it. All right. Well, do you guys want to go ahead and talk about the Alabama game then? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the roof works. Did you read that? No, no, that's good. At Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the roof does work. Well, oh. maybe we can get a roof over Hauser so we can stop sitting through seven-and-a-half-hour rain delays during the Super Regional, right? That is interesting. Okay too. I, I are you going to let me talk about this now that you just teed me up so that everybody can blame me if, you know, stories uh, don't end, Tim, with the longtime coach that's been chasing the championship forever, winning one on the way out the door. Uh, and 11's got, you know, maybe a year or two left at most after this. So the fact that we're having that conversation is pretty remarkable. And I know we all would be a little bit giddy uh, and we are a little hesitant to go too much further, but uh, it is quite a script that's unfolded at this point. Oh yeah, no, it's it's really awesome, and and you know, I, it's it's really fun to talk to to Mike Martin at this time of year. Um, you know, he's obviously he's he's always sort of worn his heart on his sleeve. I feel like, especially this time of year, and you know, to to, to talk with him after that game uh, on Sunday night, as long as all of us were there, uh, and for him to you know, kind of talk about the realization of taking this group of guys to Omaha, uh, and and how special that is as a coach to see. You know, the players' reaction when they get there. Remember, nobody on the current team has been there, so it's going to be the first time for everybody. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool thing, and you can see how much it means to him. Um, and uh, and you can also talk, you know, I think Quincy Porty uh, was asked about this, and, and Taylor Walls might have too. Um, you know, it, it, it means something to them, too, because of him. You know, they, they want this for him. They want this for their coach. Uh, and how could you not? You know, anybody who, uh, who has played for this program and, and, and been a part of it, um, you know, as, as been under the influence of, of, of Mike Martin and, and knows all the history and, and you know you can bet it would mean a lot for, for this group to be the guys the first group of guys to give him a national title so 
uh, yeah, I think that's something that they absolutely want, and it's it's kind of a neat thing to see um, and kind of watch it watch it all unfold live the way it did the other night. And and I found it kind of interesting as I was listening to it because the critics just uh, two months ago were saying that Mike Martin had lost this team. The kids did not want to play for him. He was out of touch. He had no sense of uh, today's reality, and they didn't really care whether he was there or not. Hmm. Hmm. Funny, uh, funny how things happen. And, you know, look, sometimes it's, it's not all that complicated. When, when things aren't going well, nobody's having a lot of fun. And when things are going well, everybody's having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, when, winning is a great deodorant. And, and all of a sudden, like you said, uh, how funny how when, when everybody starts playing up to their capabilities, uh, all of a sudden all those, those issues and, and rumors and whatever else that you hear all sort of seem to fade away. That's one of the uh, the great sports lines that's out there. Winning is a great deodorant. It makes us overlook base running blunders or, or things like that. Uh, but let's talk about this. The, obviously, the pitching has, has completely come around, and we talked about that in great detail with Mike Bell. This lineup, though, and, and this is why there was optimism at the start of the year, this is a, a tough lineup, one through nine, the the exception being maybe right now that J.C. is struggling at the plate. But there's been a lot of FSU teams that were pretty good one to four or five and, and then maybe not so good six through nine. This is not one of them. It, it, even Stephen Wells has come on and really hit well. Matt Henderson obviously has raised his average significantly, and he's going he's gonna to see seven pitches every at-bat. Well, and a kid or two that can come off of the bench. When yeah. you need them, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you look at this lineup, and and if you're the opposition, I don't think you breathe easy really at any point. No, I, I agree with that completely, and I'm glad you brought up Matt Henderson and Stephen Wells uh, because to me, they've been two of the of the most pleasant surprises over the, the the latter part of the season. And you know, what's the in, in college baseball? I, I think almost everybody has a good you know three or four hitters, right? Uh, but it's if you get to a point where you just sort of have a black hole at the bottom of your lineup, that's where you can really get in trouble, especially when you're in a situation with the last eight teams in the country. Uh, but for Florida State, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that bottom of that lineup has been, been really good lately. Uh, you obviously like to see them continue, but Stephen Wells has had a really nice postseason, uh, not just in the region, but in the super regional as well, and in the field and at the plate. Uh, he's been good. Matt Henderson, I think, has come up well with some big hits over the last few weeks. Uh, and yeah, and you know when you have Drew Mendoza as your uh, your number six the way they have, uh, that's a pretty nice uh, nice luxury to have. And then couple that with the fact that you know I think you saw maybe Kyle Raleigh starting to break out of uh, break out a little bit in the Super Regional last week. Taylor Walls has been hitting the ball hard. Jackson Lucas has been unbelievable uh, over the last month or so. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a good lineup, which is good news because they're going to face some pretty tough pitchers out in Omaha. Uh, Tim, do you think you know Florida State not known for running the bases well? Tommy alluded to that, and not known for stealing bases which are two things that probably are pretty important at TD Ameritrade. Uh, do you see those as being uh, nuisance weaknesses or are those glaring weaknesses for this club? I think the plan is just to hit a home run every time. Then you have to worry about it, right? Well, that's, uh, that's no. Quincy's plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, look, that, that sort of thing is definitely frustrating. And, and, you know, could it be uh, an issue out there? Absolutely, because we know it can be hard to hit home runs or hit extra base hits, so you need to be sharp. Uh, on the base pass, but you know, to this point, as as much as it makes you sort of you know roll your eyes or hit your head against the wall every time there's a you know base running or anything like that, uh, so far it hasn't been anything the team hasn't been able to overcome, uh, and so you, you'd like to see them eliminate it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if, if they keep hitting the way they've been hitting, uh, it doesn't bother me that much. Tim, I know you've been out to Omaha at least one time previously. So is this trip number two, or you've been out there other times? No, this is number two, and this will be my first at uh, TD Ameritrade Park. I, I was there the last year at, uh, at Roosevelt. Okay, so that was 2010. little aside here, KJ. Tim and I uh, went to 
I don't remember if we had beer, but we definitely had some breakfast because there was an 8 a.m. U.S. national team. I guess it was a World Cup game. It was a World Cup game, yeah. So we went to the Fox and the Hound somewhere way west of downtown on the interstate through Omaha at 8 in the morning. And uh, I can't remember. Did we tie or win? Landon Donovan scored late, right? Yeah, I think we had had to tie to advance out of the group, and we did. Right. So well, sometime when we're not on the radio, I'll tell you about a trip with Mr. Deckerhoff to the Fox and the Hound in Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one can't make the airwaves here. <laughs> All I remember about that time, two, two things. One was, uh, was that was the first time I, I, I had known you. Obviously, I, I grew up here, so I remember uh, you know back in the in the TV days. But it was the first time I'd ever really hung out with you, I think. So that was pretty cool uh, for me. Just a little you know starstruck moment there. Um, but two, I remember that passed the, the, quickly. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the big uh, the big deal was that they had they had opened early to uh, to to do the game to, to host everybody for the game and then when you and I walked in there I think both of us sort of realized or had the thought that you know I'm not sure that they opened early so much as they just didn't close it was quite apparent oh, that everybody yeah. had been there for a while by the time we got there yeah yeah that's a good point I'd forgotten about that so. Uh, Let's talk bucket list for this time around uh, in Omaha. You've been there once before, so so what's outside of going to the games? What's on your list here? What do you got to do? This is basically going back to being the convention and visitors bureau for Omaha. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question. I feel like I did a lot of it. You know, I, I had a, some good stakes. I did the zoo, uh, all that kind of stuff. I know, isn't uh, the, there's a big Boys Town thing out there, right? Yes, there is. I've never actually yeah, gone to that. Yeah, I would I would like to do that and. Um, you know, probably just kind of. I, I really just sort of enjoy walking around. There's that cool. I, what's it called? The old town or old city or what have you uh, downtown? Old market. Um, old market. Old market. There you go. That's a pretty cool place to, uh, to to hang around. But but actually, now that you mentioned, it, I know you just said outside of baseball, but I actually plan on watching a lot of baseball. I'm really excited to to see some games. And as much as you know, I enjoy going to Florida State games and covering those. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to going to seeing some different teams from around the country and just sort of watching some games and, and not having to work afterwards. I know one thing. You also have to go to Zesto's. Zesto's has oh, to be yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to get some Zesto's. But uh, I was worried about that, too, because I didn't know that, that Zesto's had made the uh, the trip from uh, from Rosenblatt down to TD Ameritrade. So I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. I think the owners of Zesto's own several islands in the Caribbean thanks to Zesto's. <laughs> so it probably was worth their while to move from Rosenblatt. Uh, the one thing I am going to try not to do is leave my credit card at Old Chicago, which I did last time there in 2012 with Lulu. 2012, I flew out when they were in the loser's bracket, so I was in Omaha less than 24 hours, called a game with Lulu, left my credit card, and got on a flight home. So that was that was last trip. Hopefully this one goes better. I hope so, too. It's a reoccurring theme with you. I seem to remember a wallet being lost in Miami. We'll tell tell that story when we get back. (laughs) Tim, I will see you in Omaha, and uh, safe travels to you. You got it. We'll see you guys there. All right. Our com insider, Tim Linnefelt, on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. That that story is a good one. That involves football travel. We, we, we've probably shared that one, too. Hey, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. More tales... On the road. Of Tom losing his wallet and or credit cards when we continue on the front row. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. 
All right, a few minutes to go to wrap up. Uh, let me clarify that last story, first of all, regarding leaving the card at Old Chicago. I did realize that before we left Omaha, so I was able to walk back to Old Chicago. Lulu can vouch for this. Get the card, and so I didn't have to go through the whole canceling everything and doing that. I left my card at the Blue Line Cafe in downtown Pittsburgh on a basketball trip one time when we were playing up there. So uh, it has happened to the best of us. But your wallet in Miami. Well, so here's the story on the Miami. We've probably told this before. This was the year that the Florida State-Miami football game was scheduled for Labor Day on Monday. It might have been the first Labor Day Monday game, and it got pushed to Friday because of whatever hurricane or storm went through. So now it's Friday, and we were working for Sun Sports. And Sun Sports, we had, we all had separate rental cars, which was really a waste. In our own rooms. We'd be on we the had same separate flight. rental cars. And we'd have it separate, was a good gig. It was a good gig, and it was really a waste of company resources. Television, much better than radio. And, and what are we doing now, Tom? And now we're, we're talking to Matthew on the other side of the glass here at ESPN Tallahassee. So, again, the pinnacle of our mediocre careers, which has extended for a long time. The other footnote to that is that the team hotel is the airport Hilton in Miami, which is like 100 feet from the Miami airport. So we all rented separate cars to drive from the Miami airport across the street. Anyway, I go to return my uh, rental car that Friday, probably like 1 o'clock noon, something like that. The game was that night. So I return the car. I come back, and I realize that I have returned the rental car with my wallet in it. Now, this is at the Hertz Rental Car Facility at Miami International, With any of which any of our listeners, if you've been there. Just off of Lejeune I mean, Road. You've got to leave a day earlier if you're flying through Miami and renting a car because it's that much of a monstrosity. So now I have this whole um, – I'm wrestling in my mind, okay, my wallet's in a rental car at Hertz at the Miami airport. And I grew up in South Florida, so I can take these shots. How long do I wait before I cancel every card in it? So I, I'm I'm wrestling. I decide. I think I might have given it an hour because I called the rental car facility, which of course they went and looked. My, my car, no, they my car was like four thousandth in line as they clean them, so they hadn't gotten to that car yet. I decide I'm going to wait an hour. So of course an hour comes and goes. I don't get a call back that they found my wallet. I proceed to cancel everything in the wallet, and a minute later they call and they have my wallet. Which is good news, except that I just canceled everything. But I did need my driver's license because I was flying back the next day. And the only way you can clear TSA at this point is you have to file a police report if you don't have an ID. So that was going to be the next step. So now I go back. How do I get back over there? I take one of the Sunsport crew uh, rental cars over to the facility. Get my wallet. Everything's good. I go to leave. They won't let me leave the lot because I'm not an authorized driver on, on that, that car. car that I drove in. <laughs> so now, now they're about to, you know, charge me whatever or arrest me or make me get out of the car. Finally, somebody had pity on me and let me leave. At this point, it's like 5.30 in the afternoon. I'm almost late to the football game, which FSU lost in overtime 16-10 that night, rounding out what was not a good trip to Miami. I'm having a premonition here. I'm seeing the Block family <laughs> no. and in no, Omaha. No premonitions. <laughs> Nothing about this trip. No, the only premonition I want is victory. And uh, well, come next week, we'll we'll know, A, if they're still in it, this time next week, uh, if they're still in it, and how it has been set up. And uh, I'll go back to my earlier comment. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about it. And if they're not still in it, I won't be back. So you'll have to handle that by yourself. We'll find a way to make it work. All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Folks, enjoy the College World Series. And uh, he'll talk to you next week. I might. I might not. But uh, we will continue with the front row, Lord willing. So long.